Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboat live stream. Well, folks, I hope you're settled in. We've got a lot to cover tonight. Um, we've had this dump of 88,000 pages. I believe it was right around 88,000 of the 80,000 required. That's going to give them a credit applied to the following month. There's been two previous dumps from the Pfizer study, of course, is what we're talking about. These are documents handed over to the FDA. And um, they were, this was information that they knew about the safety and efficacy and the studies conducted for the vaccines. And they've previously published two sets of about 10,000 pages. This was the first big dump. There's three more to go here, and then they start kind of tapering down. Now, there's been some pretty startling things that have come out of this, but what I noticed, you know, I started the week, I was, or kind of, I think it was Friday, I named the show for the, for the live stream, uh, the COVID papers. But as I started putting the show together yesterday and today, and sort of really honing in on what all we're going to cover, I just noticed on every front, the deep state agenda is failing it is collapsing it is getting crushed with evidence and facts and reality and so we're going to look at you know 2000 mules just came out we're, i'm going to show you some clips from that this evening we also had um you know all of these papers and the ramifications that have come out we're going to show you what the studies had versus what um the cdc director rochelle Lewinsky was going on and telling the pregnant mothers about the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. Uh, we're going to look at a little bit of propaganda and kind of where society's going as well as along with a sort of check-in with what's happening to the global economy because as part of this process, I think we're going to see major changes. It's going to affect you, your life. We might see some really significant shortages, periods of instability, of unrest, who knows what's about to unfold, but uh, there are big changes on the horizon. Make no mistake. So let's jump in and start. Let me get over here to the right screen. So what came out of this Pfizer uh, data dump? Well, a few things. Uh, here's a few bullet points. 42,000 out of 46,000 people reported an adverse reaction. So that's 91% of the population that got the active biologic, 91% of them had some kind of adverse reaction that they reported. That is ridiculously high, okay? The vaccine efficacy was 12% for seven days, not 95%, and then falls to 1% afterwards. Now, this gets into relative, um, relative risk, and, and I forget the other one, effective risk and kind of how they played with that but there's a little bit more to it i think it's over here yeah so here's one way that they've kind of hid the numbers right now this is a tweet that was it was is from all the risks on twitter but it was deleted i'm not sure why or if there's a problem with it but i want to read it to you anyway pfizer's treatment group uh, subjects were nine times more likely to have a relevant, quote, potential COVID-19 illness visit skipped, contravening Pfizer's own protocol, right? So when, what, he's, what they're saying there, when they looked at 
visits that were skipped versus ones that were attended in the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated group. Way more, as you can see right here, that's what this big green uh, bar is. Way more of those appointments in the vaccinated group were skipped. And let's not forget, this is not a double blind. The staff were unblinded, so they knew who was vaccinated and who wasn't. Do you think the Pfizer cartel might have, like, skipped some of those visits? Or, oh, we're going to have to reschedule and then we'll call you back and they don't? Or perhaps this was some kind of clerical error, right? This is the data cleaning that Brooke Jackson told us about that they do before they send the data over to the FDA. They go through and scrub it and change it and try and get records altered. Brooke's super swamped right now. I traded a few messages with her. She's doing great. Um, she's got, she told me, I don't want to give the number cause I don't know if this is public or not, but apparently her little lawsuit against Pfizer now has more lawyers, I think, than a basketball team. So that's picking up steam. Uh, quite happy to hear that. Uh, whenever she is able to pull her head out of the sand of, uh, you know, her, all the, the trial data and so forth that she's looking at, I'd love to hear what she's got to say and what she's finding. Um, but this is what, you know, when I saw this, that's exactly what I think about. And it finishes up here. I've only included those protocol uh, deviations that could have affected Pfizer's 95% health headline uh, efficacy calculation. So it looks like maybe, just maybe, they rigged the data on that one. Okay. Now, th this 12% thing is kind of disputed. It's not exactly new, but the whole thing where they're skipping the appointments, that is. Okay. Uh, they knew that there was significant risk to unborn and newborn babies but marked the vaccine as safe and effective to pregnant and nursing women anyway. Right. And we're going to, let's look at this right here. This is a uh, document that was released as part of the dump. Okay. And what you can see right there is what's underlined 270 cases of uh, four fetuses, babies cases representing uh 270 pregnancies. So what happened? This is this data is from the Pfizer trial. Okay. And in the trial, they had this whole EDP section, which we've been talking about for over a year. This was exposure during pregnancy. You're not supposed to get pregnant. You're supposed to wear a condom if you're a man and you're in this trial for the trial duration, I think, plus, or for 90 days after the shot, something like that. They were very, very concerned about exposure during pregnancy, not just between, you know, someone that is vaccinated, like a father is vaccinated and then the wife gets pregnant or uh, the, the woman's vaccinated and then gets pregnant. They were very concerned about that, but they were concerned about if your husband goes to the bar and meets someone who's a Pfizer trial participant and then comes home and conceives a baby with you, that's a reportable event that they wanted to know about. That's considered an EDP. So what were they so worried about? Well, it turns out here that of the 270 um, women who were, uh, sorry, I'm just adjusting my screen here a little bit, uh, who were pregnant during the trial, you know, accidentally got pregnant, well, what happened? 
we had one baby that was born. Now there were, I believe it was five that basically they ended the trial before uh, delivery. So there may have been five others out of this group. That's something that I haven't seen reported with this data and it should be. And then there were, I think it's 238 pregnancies that, uh, yeah, no outcome was recorded. Maybe they lost those records. Or maybe, like we've seen over the last two or three, not two or three years, but year and a half or so, with these kids that are out playing basketball and they suddenly drop dead after getting vaccinated, and you talk to, we don't know if they're vaccinated or not, but you talk to the parents and they don't really want to talk about it. They're not like Ernesto's dad, who's willing to go out in front of large crowds and say, I killed my son. I gave him the shot and it killed him. They don't want to face that. How many of these women, of these 238 that dropped out, that we don't know what happened to, lost their babies as well? and are so ashamed at what they did, they just don't want to talk to the people anymore. Or how many of them did talk to the people, to Pfizer, and, oh, uh, it's, you know, like Maddie DeGary. They recorded this girl who is paralyzed and has a feeding tube going down her nose as having, you know, these couple minor issues. Okay, if we keep going down the document, there were um, spontaneous abortions in 25. Uh, one uh, fetal death, they delivered twins, okay? And this is at the bottom down here. There was one woman who had twins, and I'm pretty sure reading this last paragraph um, where they talk about the, the four deaths here, uh, they're saying premature baby, two each. I believe those are the twins, and... Uh, death neonatal, one of those. So, and this woman that, that had the twins, I think, was vaccinated in the first trimester. Okay, so vaccinated in the first trimester, looks like premature delivery. Maybe that was her, maybe it's not. We don't have the data on it, but I suspect it was. And one of her babies died. And what does the CDC director have to say? Why are experts so convinced, including you, um, that the COVID-19 vaccine is safe for pregnant women? So um, we have numerous studies here, and this is really important because I do know you want to control everything. You want yes. it to all be perfect and you worry, right? Because there are so many things that feel like that they're not in your control. Mm -hmm. The first thing I think that's really important to understand is that pregnant women tend to have more severe disease than non-pregnant women. So it's really important to make sure that they're protected because if you want to do anything, it's to make sure that you are delivering a healthy baby and you are there to be the mom to that baby for a very long period of time. Which would include making sure that anything you give that pregnant woman to protect her is actually safe. She had that data from the study she instead decided to rely on studies from 41 rats where they 
I believe terminated the pregnancies early. There's a, there's a whole slew of problems with that one as well. Reduction in fertility, increase. I mean, just just so many problems with that study. They they cut it short as short as they could before any problems could develop, so that they could say, "Yep, hundred percent safe and effective." And so we really do want to make sure that those pregnant women are protected. Um, we have now have data on pregnant women, not just getting vaccine in the third trimester and the second trimester, but now even the first trimester, we have that period of time. Early on, we could say in that third. 50% death was the data that she had. This is what she's saying. Of course, let's not forget, thanks to Tim Truth telling us, you know, digging this one out. And I think Robert Malone and some others did as well. In the Federal Register 1984 law of all years to enact something like that, the public health officials are required by law to lie about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine in order to promote it trimester, no outcomes that were different among women who were vaccinated and women who weren't vaccinated for their babies. And now with more. So see, nothing to see here. It's all normal especially after they scrub the data and more data. We're seeing that there are really no differences in outcomes in terms of fertility, desire to get pregnant, adverse baby outcomes, really, if you've been vaccinated or not. So what we really know now with a wealth of data and numerous studies, thousands of pregnant women that, um, that you are at higher risk if you don't get vaccinated and that outcomes are the same for mom and baby if you do get vaccinated. This woman killed thousands upon thousands of innocent babies. What else did we find out? We knew this about a month ago. 1,223 people out of 46,000, 2.7% of the population died after taking the vaccine. Normally, they halted after one or two deaths. There was a previous vaccine where there were 23 deaths before they pulled it from the market. And when all was said and done, it had caused 53 deaths. There were at least that were attributed with it. Pfizer lobbied to have this data hidden for 75 years. And it's thanks to Dr. Fenn and some others, you know, some of these frontline doctors and FLCCC. I'm not sure who all was involved behind this and uh, ICANN and so forth that sued. And this actually happened here in, in uh, North Texas in a courtroom here and got this schedule right here because their plan was 500 pages a month. 75 years. It was when they wanted to let you know all of this. When the people responsible for the mass murder that's been perpetrated on the world are long gone. Whoops. Not safe and effective. These facts are tantamount to fraud and should negate any immunity given to Pfizer. Same is going to be true for Moderna. Same is going to be true for J&J. What? Okay. Uh, masks. There's another one right there. Let's look at... Oh, I'm going to have to maneuver around here. Let's look at what's happening 
on that front because it turns out masks might make COVID worse. Imagine that. A massive study covering 35 European countries and 602 million people concluded that wearing COVID masks did not reduce transmission or deaths and may have exasperated the virus. In this peer-reviewed study, uh, reviewed by the European, by every year, they, they took data and they reviewed every European country with at least 1 million people between October 2020 and March 2021. So prime time, first wave uh, analysis here. And they're from the study, they found, quote, while no cause effect conclusions can be inferred from this observational analysis, the lack of negative correlations between mask usage and COVID-19 cases and deaths suggests that the widespread use of masks at a time when an effective intervention was most needed, i.e. during the uh, strong 2021-2020, sorry, 2020-2021 autumn peak, that first wave, was not able to reduce COVID-19 transmission. Moreover, the moderate positive correlation between mask usage and deaths in Western Europe also suggests that the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences, like suppressing the immune system, like uh, higher levels of CO2 intake. Oh, and uh, also mm, this right here, microplastics are now being found deep in people's lungs for the first time. They're finding them in autopsies of the, of the deceased. What do they make the, the masks with? PET, the, the microplastics that they're finding in people's lungs for the first time. Of course, previous studies draw uh, contrary conclusions, uh, but they falsely attributed mask mandates as having efficacy when in reality they're cherry-picking data, basically. They were implemented at the tail end of COVID waves. So there you go. Now we have peer-reviewed studies showing the masks don't work, they make it worse, and oh yeah, by the way, we're finding microplastics in people's lungs for the first time. Congratulations, nut jobs. <laughs> Hold on, I think I've actually, I want to go here. Yeah, this lady, I just found this tweet. She's already blocked me. <laughs> but this is happening right now. She's triple vaxxed. Uh, the, some of the people that follow me found out on Twitter. Yeah, let me zoom, zoom that in so you can see. Look at the crazy eyes right there. Mm-hmm. She's got this big hood on that, and I think it's actually kind of maybe makes more sense than a lot of the masks we've been seeing because I imagine it has like a, a proper health HEPA filter on the back or something and a fan that's pumping air in. So it's a negative pressure or positive pressure uh, hood that she's basically wearing, which actually would work because it's similar to like what they use in the BS, uh, BL4 laboratories where you have a pressurized bunny suit you plug into fresh air from outside and it's uh, constantly escaping your suit. But like this was today that she posted this. They're still living in fear. They think these masks work. They have no idea the lie that's been perpetrated. And just like Matthias uh, Desmond told us, there's this 30%, this core group of the mass formation that can't be swayed. They're going down with the ship. 
They've bought into it at too deep of a level. They're not willing to reevaluate their belief system and they're going to die believing that it was the unvaccinated who did this to them. Meanwhile, this Ottawa hospital is experiencing increased pressure on both emergency departments and ambulance offload process. Now, of course, what have I shown you in this show? That's been happening for months. It's happening in Australia. It's happening over in the UK where they're waiting four hours at times to get people off the ambulances. The police were pissed off that they were, this was the one in Australia, I think. Police were pissed off that they were having to sit in the car with some mentally ill suspect for like four hours before the hospital could take them. So now it was making news. (laughs) And like, folks, it does a 4X from here according to the insurance companies who are probably in the best position to estimate this and figure out what's coming. These hospitals are bursting at the seams with what they're dealing with now. And it's going to more than four X from here. They will collapse. They will not survive because at the same time, what else have I been telling you about this? That not only are people coming in getting sick, but they vaccinated all the healthcare workers. So they're going to be sick and dying too. And well, guess what? Right down here, Jude RN, I've followed her for a long time. Healthcare workers at my hospital are suddenly dying. Some showing symptoms while working, hemorrhagic strokes, heart attacks, compromised immune systems, all between 30 and 40 years old. Now we're going to look at some of that data tonight and absolutely 30 to 50 are two of the areas that are really getting hit the hardest by this stuff for whatever reason. All between 30 and 40 years old, three in one week so far, all vaxxed. What happens when they lose 10% of their staff? They're probably, they might already be there, some of them. And so, and where are they going to hire from? Because everybody else is losing 10% of their staff. And then it goes to 20 and then 30 and 40, maybe 60. Meanwhile, the caseload number of people coming in sick is four times what they can handle with the staff that they have left. Now there is zero chance that this survives. You need to prepare and you need to be ready for life after the collapse of the healthcare system. Because it's happening right now. And I'm pausing here, making you uncomfortable for a reason. Because you need to take action. Let me see where we're going next here. This geo tracking has now become. A- <laughs> oh, wait, no, we got more back here. Hold on. Too dramatic. Okay, also. Vaccinated hospitalized for non-COVID reasons at five times the rate of the unvaccinated UK government data shows. So here's another look at the UK HSA data that's being published. In April, a paper was published by the UK HSA. This was a preprint on on a statistical analysis uh, of a section of hospitalization data by vaccination status. The intent of the paper was to support its statements that the vaccine's prevent hospitalizations. However, the paper also includes the raw data upon which the UK HSA statistics were derived 
And these data tell a very different story to that presented by the UK uh, Health Security Agency. The data shows far higher accident and emergency admission rates for the for reasons other than COVID in the vaccinated than in the unvaccinated. Much higher rates of hospitalization due to non-COVID acute respiratory illness in the vaccinated. So they're coming in with uh, breathing problems, heart problems. Even higher A&E admissions and hospitalizations in the double vaccinated but not boosted. So there's some distinctions here, right, that we're going to get into tonight as well. Even when the data suggested that the vaccines offer some protection, the risk of admission to intensive care resulting from a COVID infection, that's where they do offer some protection. The results look like they might be an after fact created by the assumptions used by the UK HSA. The data strongly suggests that the UK HSA is using an inappropriate method in its statistical analysis of vaccine effectiveness. Imagine that. The test negative case control TNCC method. It is likely that it has been significantly overestimating the effectiveness of vaccines at preventing hospitalization. The data aren't proof that the vaccines have caused a great deal of harm and injury to the population, but they do raise a huge red flag. And there's one more section down here that I wanted to read. There we go. Uh, So their summary. The UK HSA has provided us with some raw data on hospitalizations by vaccination status. Examination of that data suggests that with COVID hospitalization rates in the unvaccinated aren't too far from those in the vaccinated at any dose. So that's what they tried to claim is, well, if you're vaccinated, you're less likely to be hospitalized for COVID. That's why I've been pointing out to you guys for the last year or so to make sure you're paying attention. They like to quote the COVID and sweep all of the other stuff under the rug. And that's exactly what the UK is doing right here. And they're being called out for it. However, non-COVID admission rates for the A&E are much, much higher in the vaccinated at any dose than the unvaccinated, but they don't want to talk about that. The TNCC approach would suggest that the vaccinated are simply the type of people more likely to attend A&E. It's just coincidence, Sam. And the vaccines really do offer substantial protection for, uh, against hospitalization with COVID, air quotes. Examination of other data suggests that the single dose have with COVID rates similar to the unvaccinated, but two and a half times greater A&E emergency room attendance without COVID, right? So it does protect them from COVID, but even the people that only took the one shot, two and a half times greater chance of presenting at the emergency room than people who did not, excuse me. Um, and that the double dose only, only appear to have the worst situation of all much higher COVID hospitalization and much higher non COVID admission to the A&E. Okay. And that's just, that's to date though, could be with more time that changes and because you've got the lipid nanoparticles in there causing all sorts of problems. Right. But there's some data. I talked to, uh, King Solomon earlier tonight before the show and he's had one and he's like, what does that mean? Am I, am I better? And I, th- I said, yeah, I think generally you're going to be, 
in a better position, having one shot, but there is a higher risk, and this is it. In his case, he's two and a half times more likely to end up in the emergency room with some serious problem uh, than somebody who didn't take the shot. And even, uh, you know, if he got, if he went and got another one, then it's even worse. Until he gets the third one, then, you know, he'd still be at a higher risk than the unvaccinated. But there's no easy answer for this, folks. It's going to keep getting worse as these diseases start taking hold over the, and this is going to go on for years, right? We're going to keep ramping up and ramping up. And just because the hospital system collapses doesn't mean it's not going to keep ramping up because it's baked in the cake at this point for a lot of these people. And, you know, what we need to be doing is talking about treatments and how they manage these conditions rather than denying that there's a problem. And, you know, it's amazing to me that like, hang on, CMS may now enforce its COVID-19 vaccination policy for healthcare workers in all 50 states. They are literally still pushing the mandates on these people in the face of all the evidence that we have. And here's another bit. This is, uh, okay, UK data again. Turns out the vaccines kill more people than they save across all age groups. So this is Steve Kersich, um that put this data together or some of his, his team kind of put this data together. And what it's showing here is this chart. And he's got these various age groups on the left and then he's got the risk benefit on the right. So what this is, if you take the efficacy of the vaccines, and he's got a Substack article right down here. Uh, new is titled "New UK Government Data Shows That COVID Vaccines Kill More People Than They Save," and he walks through his methodology here. But for uh, you know, 75 to 79 age group, for every one person saved by the vaccine, down here. 1.2 people will die. If you look at the 45 to 49, it's 4.8 people dying for every one person that the vaccine supposedly saves. 25 to 29, it's 15 to 1. 20 to 24, it's 18.8 to 1. 15 to 19, it's killing 44.6 kids for every one person, for every one kid it saves from COVID. And then the 10 to 14 group, it's 1,600 kids for everyone that is supposedly saved by this vaccine that has a 0% statistical risk of killing them. And that's why that number is so high, because it just doesn't touch these younger age groups, because they have a strong innate immune system able to fight this. So they just keep going. Of course, what's the NIH doing? They're launching a clinical trial of three mRNA HIV vaccines. Why HIV? Well, because the shots gave it to everyone. The shots suppress the immune system, downregulate the toll-like receptors 3, 4, 7, and 8. 3 and 4 turns off uh, virus suppression. 7 and 8 turns off cancer suppression. So when you get a virus, when you have a mutation that causes cancer, your body can't fight it anymore because of these shots. And now what are they doing? 
they're trying to rush out new mRNA drugs to undo the damage that they've done in the name of helping people by lying to them and deceiving them and giving them more deadly chemicals that are going to create even more problems. No doubt, 100%. They have no fucking clue what they're doing. NIAID, this is what Fauci heads up. Part of the National Institutes of Health has launched a phase one clinical trial evaluating three experimental HIV vaccines based on a messenger RNA platform, a technology used in several approved COVID vaccines. Oh, they're approved, are they? I thought they were authorized still. Only one of them's approved. Pfizer, which is why we're getting the data for it. Why hasn't Moderna sought approval yet? You think they know better? Because I do. NIAID funded HIV Vaccine Trials Network, HTVN. Oh, see, this is a long-term thing that they're going to have to deal with here. Quote, Finding an HIV vaccine is proven to be a daunting scientific challenge, says Anthony S. Fauci, NIAID director. With the success of safe and highly effective COVID-19 vaccines, we have an exciting opportunity to learn whether mRNA technology can achieve similar results against HIV infection. This was published March 14th of 2021. He's had access to this trial data too. And this is what he's saying. Why? Well, because he's part of the criminal organization. He's one of the leaders in this criminal conspiracy that's resulted in the deaths of millions of people and will result in the death of hundreds of millions of people before all is said and done. And they're just going for broke. Like, no, we're just going to push through, Sam. We can get through this. Of course, don't forget, scandal emergency emerges as Romania is struck with some 40 million COVID-19 vaccine doses it has to buy. Of course, they don't need them. Nobody wants them. But the head of the government defended this with the executive uh, when the executive ex- accepted to buy the vaccines, apparently in excess of the necessary, defended himself claiming that the decisions were taken by the European Commission. So see, it's not my fault. I mean, it's, it's my money that I took from you that I'm giving to them. And we got to buy all these things that we don't need because, well, they say so. And by the way, this isn't a bribe. These are going to be thrown in the trash and not used to hurt anybody. <laughs> of course, they're going to claim help people. That's why they bought them. But in reality, all this is, is millions of dollars in kickbacks because that's all government is. It's a wealth extraction tool to rob us blind, leave us poor, and increase the divide between the wealth, wealthy and the poor. And it's just going to keep going and going and going until we make them stop. Okay. Here's another thing on the vaccine here. I read through a new preprint today, which is potentially important. Uh, He links to the study here. This is uh, FS, oh boy, Bushholzer, Frederick. Yeah, I I don't even know. You, You just have to watch the video if you want to find this guy. 
But there he is. Uh, I read through uh, this new preprint, which is potentially important. Based on randomized data, the study examines to the ex- to which extent the vaccinated with Moderna. Now, yeah, this is not Pfizer, not related to the document dump, but they're both producing the same spike, the same genetic spike with very minor differences in the stop codons because of the read-through risk that they knew about, which could cause uh, autoimmune disease, which is exactly what we're seeing. Of course, the spike proteins don't have the, the right molecular weight. They're a little bit heavy. We don't know why. Maybe the read-through causing them to keep building, potentially causing them to misfold, create neurological problems like mad cow disease. While our COVID vaccines exclusively target the spike protein, we we are... Some we use some that are that have uh, there are some that have argued, sorry that that infection would induce broader and longer lasting natural immunity than vaccination because immunity is induced against greater parts of the virus, not just the spike protein. So that was one of the points that we've made before as well. You've got three different spikes and the envelope, the body of the virus that you can see there. There's the end spike, that's the nucleocapsid. There's the body, the shell of the virus that has you know genetic information that can be sensed and looked for, screened for by you know your natural immune system, and then you have the spike protein. Okay, envelope. There they have membrane, envelope, and spike, and uh, the nucleocapsid. So we were fed the inane and illogical idea that the shot would produce superior immunity than having cleared the virus naturally, you know, where you're developing antibodies that are looking at the body of the virus, the the N spike, the S spike, and the envelope. But when the vaccines, because the vaccines don't produce the actual virus, all they produce is that spike, it's only going to respond to the spike. So what it does instead is it creates this infectious pressure for an escape response from the immune response, from the immune system, right? To where it can either not be detected by the immune system or it can attack the immune system and turn turn around and use it to attack the body, which I think is what we're seeing as well. Uh, this is despite that for essentially all infections known to man, natural immunity is superior. The postulate was gradually moderated to um, equal potency, and this is a, I'm just going to skip that tweet. We now know that almost all will be and now and have now been infected at least once. So in the context of mass vaccination on top of that, mainly before, meaning people got the shots before, more people got the shots before they caught COVID than after, there are several important research questions that need to be answered. How much worse is vaccine-induced immunity compared to infection? Okay, so... Again, we're getting into the distinctions here between, you know, when you get the virus and you get the shot, the order that you get them in, how does that affect your outcomes? Okay. So is the sequence of exposure important? important? Virus only, virus plus the virus, then the vaccine, vaccine, then the virus. Uh, Present vaccines are based on the index Wuhan variant and especially Omicron is packed with mutations in the spike protein. So there's a a picture right there showing exactly that. Omicron, again, very different and perhaps because of one of the drugs caused crazy mutations to happen. They think maybe 
that was the you know strange uncle or whatever comment at the Ron Johnson hearing talking about those kinds of mutations. Maybe that's what drove Omicron. Other people are suggesting that this was another release, that it's just too different uh, from the other, from the circulating SARS from Delta and, and Alpha. Okay, this is where the nucleocapsid anti-N antibodies uh, might come in handy because if you have immunity to a larger share of the virus genome, then it will be harder for the virus to develop immune escape properties like those of Omicron, which is essentially completely evades vaccine immunity, right? Because the spike just mutates a little bit to where it's not recognized anymore and the virus gets a pass from the immune system. The preprint investigates this, but to my astonishment, the data is from the prior the data is from prior to the Delta and Omicron variants, despite acknowledging the, that the hypothesis was formed during data collection in 2020. So they were collecting data, but they didn't go back and get the most relevant latest data that they could, right? They left out Omicron which would have shown this really, I think would have really, really highlighted that what they're saying is absolutely true. They've been sitting on this important data set for more than a year. The data is from a randomized controlled trial testing Moderna versus placebo, so high quality evidence. The authors analyzed serum for anti-N antibody from participants that had SARS-CoV-2 infection during the blinded phase of the trial or at the baseline. The results are potentially important, right? So what did it find? For baseline negative participants with no prior infection at enrollment, receiving two doses of Moderna and then being infected was associated with significantly blunted anti-N response, these antibodies that are looking for the nucleocapsid in terms of percent developing the antibodies. So here's his little graphic here, and you can see two shots, then you catch the virus, 40% of the people had these anti-nucleocapsid antibodies. But if you got the placebo and then you caught the virus, 93% of those people had the anti-nucleocapsid antibodies. What does that mean? It means if you get the shot, your body, it's not just that the shot's not protecting you and not, not even able to see the new variants, but it's actually reducing your immune system response, not specifically one person, but as a group, it's reducing the immune system response by 53% if you get the shot before you catch the virus. Which means the people who got the shot before they catch the virus, which most of the people who got this shot, they are much more likely to not have that nucleocapsid response, which is what's going to detect COVID, whether it's alpha, uh, delta, Omicron, whatever. Vaccination thus had a negative effect on the formation of anti-N antibodies. When I read this at first, I thought this was just due to suppression of virus replication, the vaccine doing its job. The authors tested whether this could explain their results, but they couldn't. And here's the, from their document. And yet viral copies at the illness visit did not fully explain the large difference in PDV seropositivity between arms. 
For any given viral copy number, the odds of anti-N seropositivity were 13.67 times higher for the placebo arm than the vaccine arm. So that's pointing out in their own study what we just covered there, that you have this much higher rate if you didn't take the vaccine. Of You have a much higher chance of having these nucleocapsid antibodies that are going to do a better job of detecting the variants if you haven't been vaccinated. For the same virus copies per milliliter in nasopharyngeal swab samples collected at illness visits, the unvaccinated were subsequently much better at producing the anti-nucleocapsid antibodies. Why? Well, because, you know, the vaccine doesn't protect the respiratory tract or the digestive tract which is how you're normally exposed to it. They inject it right into the blood. It's the whole, um, what Nathan, uh, the doctor from, uh, anyway, what he talked about is it's doing things completely the reverse from the outside in instead of the, sorry, from the inside out instead of the outside in. You breathe it in, you touch your eyes, you, you touch something and have it on your hands and touch your eyes, touch your mouth. That's how it gets in, Okay. It's not happening when they inject you with the shot. It's reverse. Dr. Nathan Thompson is who I was thinking of. And that's what the data shows as well. This pattern was markedly different if infected at baseline, uh, seropositive PCR plus when randomized. So there was no difference in the anti-N production indicating that infection uh, vaccination sequence is important. So again, here we have, you get the virus, then you get the placebo, so you're unvaccinated still. 95% have it. You get the virus, and you have uh, you get two shots. 96% of those people had the anti-N nucleocapsid antibodies. Okay, so getting the shots after you've already had it means you still have those because your body's already programmed the response in. But if you haven't had it and you get the shot, it's disabling your body's ability to respond properly to the virus, which is the whole autoimmune disease, exactly what we're seeing now, exactly what's happening to these people. And this is yet more evidence that that is, in fact, what's occurring. What are the implications of this? In protein can generate robust T cell response and well uh, conserved and does not recombine frequently, anti-N immunity is likely important. Of course, in that trial that we covered a long time ago in the show, when they did all three spikes, they had much better protection, but for some reason they only did the S. Why? It's unknown whether patterns are the same with Omicron as well or with other COVID vaccines. The reduced capacity, I would imagine it's the same because they're all using the lipid nanoparticle complexes. They're all producing essentially the same spike. So they're going to create the same kind of problems with slight differences. Is the blunting sustained uh, increased? Is this important? Perhaps a good idea, you know, like, is it going to wear off? Will these people later be able to build these antibodies or have their immune systems been permanently damaged? Perhaps a good idea to investigate these questions rather than vaccinating everyone blindfolded. There are those of us that consistently argue that we should stratify the vaccine strategy targeting risk groups that are likely to die or get hospitalized from COVID. Yep, 
most of the frontline doctors and FLCCC and so forth, rather than rolling out mass vaccinations to all age groups because eradication was futile anyway. And it's not only was it futile, but it actually created and drove the uh, mutants, the variations, the variants, which, by the way, then come back and become a greater threat to the unvaccinated population because it's like a completely different virus that wouldn't exist without this terrible vaccination strategy. My position, uh, let me see, we warned of the possibility of antigenic sen. Uh, we should vaccinate to prevent disease, not mild infection. If COVID vaccine blunts your immune response to subsequent COVID uh, va- viruses and you're, you're old and morbid where vaccination likely saves your life or prolongs it, it's not a big deal. But for children and healthy young adults, you know, like the ones experiencing the uh, 16,000x death benefit of getting the vaccine or 44.6% in the 15 to 19 age group, for those people, hmm, it's not such a great deal for them, is it? A good proportion will experience even short-term vaccine side effects equivalent or worse than whatever possible disease symptoms if they even discover their infection. Like a lot of them will get it and won't even know they had it because their body knocks it out. Next winter, we shall survey the different combinations in detail. Virus, then placebo. So you've had the virus, but you're still unvaccinated. 95% with anti-N antibodies. The second group, the virus, then the shots. 96% because, well, your body already created them, so it can still create them. The question there would be, well, what if you get a new variant and those in antibodies aren't able to recognize it because it's created some kind of escape pressure there. Then what happens? Will you be able to build in antibodies in the future with other viruses that are maybe not even related to coronavirus or has this thing disabled your entire immune system because group three there is you get the two shots and then you get the virus and that's where you see this 50, 52, 56% reduction. So there you go. Number three is by far the most important common trajectory people have taken through the pandemic. And that's people that get the shot, didn't have the virus, catch the virus later, and they can't build the N antibodies. What's going to happen to them? But wait, there's more. (laughs) Hold on, I'm going to grab a drink here. Okay, official U.S. government data suggests fully vaccinated Americans are developing acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Uh, This is from the expose. They do a great job of breaking this data down. They get attacked by the fact checkers all the time. Okay, and what he's done is he's looked at the VAERS data and taken some different cuts of it here. Official data made available available by the U.S. government and CDC strongly suggests that fully vaccinated Americans are developing acquired immune syndrome, but they're not alone because further data made available by the U.K. government and government of Canada suggests the vaccinated population in both of these respective countries are also developing (coughs) (coughs) developing the debilitating condition. And you can see here this uh, bar chart basically, that's a forget what it's called divided line chart or something like that. You've got 
each year is a different color. And you got all these little bands here at the bottom from 2005 through 2019. They slowly start to get a little bigger in 2018, 2019, 2020. 2021, boom, it's bigger than all the previous years combined going back to 2005. 2022 is, you know, on track to be, I think, even bigger. It's a common misconception that acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, AIDS, is only caused by the HIV virus. That simply isn't true, and you would know that if you watched our video, the, the show that I did on HIV, where we went through and broke down and heard from, uh, you know, all of these experts, like... Well, unfortunately, I have to take credit uh, for coining the term GRID, which calling it a disease, see? and to give it that name, AIDS. So everything's included under that, and you don't have to just say, I mean, if you just said, you know, these people are getting a lot of weird diseases, all kinds of diseases, it wouldn't have had the same impact. It was much better to say, there is a infectious organism on the loose in America, and it could get you. What can I tell you? You know, anyway, I mean, it, it exists. <laughs> yeah, well, that first guy was Kerry Mullis. He's the one who invented the PCR test and said it's absolutely being used inappropriately, by the way. So. AIDS, HIV, like, and, you know, Luke Montagnier said the same thing. HIV may not be, may just be a companion virus that shows up not necessarily the cause of AIDS. Remember the gay community was doing all the poppers and then they started the, the standards for an HIV positive test result is not the same. So they're manipulating that and using that as well as using, changing the definitions and diagnoses to take other conditions and sweep those into the HIV camp so that they can continue getting the tens of billions of dollars. This was Fauci who did this. $30 billion into his coffers, and then he went on to pull off the next scam, which is the pandemic, which is COVID. Okay. Let me, and he goes through the data. They go through the data here, but I just want to read you some of these findings here. There's the chart. Total number of common cancers associated with AIDS is as reported as adverse reactions in 2021 was 430. And again, this is 1% to 10% of the total of, you know, this is likely happening. It's at much higher levels than what's being reported. So that 430 could be 4,300. It could be 40,000 and 300 people. And this represents a 1,919% increase. For acquired immune disorders reported as adverse reactions in 2021, it was 386, representing an 1,145% increase. Uh, herpes is, they had 18,336 cases in 2021. It's an 1,880% increase. Now remember, what was it, eight months ago when I deleted all the dating apps, <clears throat> this was the reason because this thing, if you go back to uh, Dr. Ryan Cole right here. But here's what I'm seeing in the laboratory already. And this is very, very concerning. Um, when we give these shots, 
we can look at the types of white blood cells in the body. We can look at your T cells, your B cells, the ratios, and, and you have a broad array of immune cells that work together to fight off viruses, to keep cancers in check. We're already seeing the signals in the laboratory of decreases of certain critically important T cells that you need, your innate immune system. It's, it's your Marines of your body, the first, first ones in, fighting off viruses, fighting off cancers. It's why kids have done And the sensors, the TLR, toll-like receptors, which are basically sensors that go around and sniff for problems, those are being shut down too. So your body doesn't even really mount a response. So what is he seeing? These massive outbreaks in viruses and so forth, which means there's a lot more people walking around out there today with sexually transmitted diseases and outbreaks of sexually transmitted diseases because their immune system has been compromised by the virus, which means a higher caseload and a much higher uh, possibility if you're out having sex with a lot of people that you would catch something like this. Done phenomenally well and survived this virus at a hundred percent rate statistically this year because they have a, an innate t-cell immune response that has two to three times the activity of an adult t-cell immune response they have two to three times the enzymes that throw the little hand grenades in the cells and blow up the infected cells compared to adults and that's why kids have done so wonderfully against this virus but what we're seeing in the laboratory after people get these shots we're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T-cells that you want in your body. It's almost a, re a reverse HIV. In HIV, you lose your helper T-cells, your CD4 cells. In this virus post-vaccine, what we're seeing is a drop in your killer T-cells, your CD8 cells. And what do CD8 cells do? They keep all other viruses in check. What am I seeing in the laboratory? I'm seeing an uptick of herpes family viruses, I'm seeing um, herpes, I'm seeing shingles, I'm seeing mono, I'm seeing a huge uptick in human papillomavirus uh, in the cervical biopsies and the cervical pap smears in women. In addition to that, there's a, a little infectious you know, bump that kids get called molluscum contagiosum. What do you need to keep that in check? You need CD8 uh, killer T cells. I am seeing a 20 times increase in individuals over the age of 50 of this little bump in rash. Um, you know, that's innocuous, but it, what it tells me is the immune status of these individuals who have gotten the shot. We're literally weakening the immune system of these individuals. But here's what I'm seeing in the laboratory already. Why did that replay? So, again, that's being confirmed by the VAERS data. 18, that's an 18-fold increase. He was saying 20 times this is for herpes outbreaks. He was seeing outbreaks of those. Well, now they're... 18, 17-fold increase here of endocephalopathy uh, cases reported, 745 cases we're talking about there. Number of total AIDS-associated bacterial fungal, fungal infections reported as, as adverse reactions in 2021 was 382. That's a 2,400% increase. Sepsis cases, 1,593 of those, that's a 2,000% increase. Total number of acquired immune disorders, 15,555. This is a 33,715% increase. That is a 33x increase in immune disorders because your immune system, the people who take this shot are having their immune systems downregulated, decimated, and their bodies are pumping out 
a neurotoxin that is slowly poisoning them over time. Fifty-one percent of all adverse reactions associated with AIDS reported since the year 2000 were reported in 2021, and a further 16 percent have been reported in 2022 so far. Okay. Of course, what's happening? Uh, you know, here's this fully vaccinated Carnival cruise ship hit with a COVID-19 outbreak, and they were people were like prisoners in their room if you read the story felt like you know the staff wasn't helping them why well the staff's sick too they're also vaccinated turns out when you put a bunch of people together in confined spaces who are trying to get rid of a neurotoxin that shedding the spike as exosomes that their bodies are continually producing you get this this environment that is just loaded with spike proteins that everybody's trying to get rid of and nobody can get away from because they're continually breathing them back in and they're continually building at higher and higher levels. And then guess what? They start getting sick, really sick. And you end up with people locked in their rooms and nobody able to help them. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Great job, cruise lines. Y'all did very well there. Of course, in China... I remember I talked about how they've been locking people down with like chains on the door, screwing doors shut and so forth. Here's a bunch of people fighting with police over the lockdowns and so forth. I've seen four or five videos. I couldn't gather them all, but there's others where the police are actually getting beat (laughs) by people coming out of this one building. They're trying to keep them locked in. They've had enough. Uh, they have actually there. I read a post about, uh, one group that said they were not going to, they would only get weekdays deliveries of food on the weekdays, no more on the weekends. And they were going to try and sneak some in and this caused mass panic buying and people fighting over the last scraps of vegetables at the grocery store. And the reason that they couldn't get deliveries in in the weekends anymore, they put fences up across the road so the cars can't even drive into some areas of, I think it's Shanghai, where they've done this lockdown. So, yeah, they're starting to rise up. Now, this is China's biggest fear, but why are they doing this? Is it because they intentionally released a bioweapon? She, the bat lady, Dr. Xi, Remember that story last week about the block of dry ice contaminated with the coronavirus put in front of the air vent at the Wuhan market where that didn't come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but the real secret bioweapon lab 17 miles away, according to 4chan. We'll see if that turns out to be true. I bet it will. I bet it will. Because I think they already have the surveillance footage of it. All of this is coming undone. It's collapsing. It's dying. There's no way they're going to be able to get away with this. They're going to try. But we have the information. We just have to open people's eyes and show it to them. So please consider sharing this show with others, getting this word out. I can put these together, but if nobody watches them, it doesn't help. Okay. 
another front here that is rapidly running into trouble. This geo-tracking has now become a vital tool for the military, for the intelligence agencies, and for law enforcement. Indeed, they're using... So this is 2,000 Mules. This was the uh, documentary Dinesh D'Souza came out with. Excellent. I was able to... Uh, they released it to the internet for free. They did. They, I think they were just really smart in the way that they published this thing. They did this one, one or two day um, showings, usually like two times in each theater. There were some out here in Tyler. I, I wish I would have gone. Uh, that apparently a lot of those sold out, and it was twenty bucks per ticket, right? Uh, and I'm just realizing I don't think I have that footage of the guy. Bear with me for one second here. Um, there was a guy who took, uh, who went to see the movie. No, I don't have it. So he went to see this movie. He was a Democrat and he was sitting by another Democrat and he went to watch it to see what their claims were going to be. He was going to debunk them and, you know, be able to show, oh, this movie's so stupid. These people are retarded. And instead, what came out of that was, holy shit, they cheated. They stole the election. And it totally turned them, right? This is really, really powerful information. So they did this one-day showing for 20 bucks, and now today they released the film for free to anyone on the Internet. So definitely go and watch this thing. It is powerful. These are clips from it that I want to play you. In it almost every day, I'll say that there's no question amongst anyone that I know in the community that many, if not all, of the people that were involved in the situation at the Capitol in January. You know what? Let me start this back because um, this geo. What they're talking about, I need to sort of set the table here a little bit. They're talking about geo tracking. So, what this organization did, this is a voter rights organization, that guy that was just talking very credible, you know, 30 year veteran looking at, uh, election integrity, doing data analysis and so forth. And <clears throat> what they're about to show is that, you know, one of the big revelations that came out of this for me is you have these 300,000 apps on your smartphone that track your location, that get access to GPS data. And then what do they do? They, they sell that to data brokers who buy it from all the different app makers. So it's just a free revenue stream. Hey, if you're willing to turn on tracking and sell out your user base, we'll give you a you know, steady stream of revenue to make ends meet. And then they take that and they use it to track everybody's location because most of y'all leave your GPS thing on all the time. And some of them might even be doing it uh, when your phone's off, when your location service is off, we don't even know how bad it is. So they're doing this and he's, he's going to talk about how they, they use this and the police and law enforcement and tell, and the, I see the intelligence community are all using this to track people without having to actually track people there because they're buying it, you know, skirting all the whole privacy regulations and things because the government's not allowed to do this. Well, because they're buying it from private companies, well, now it's all of a sudden fine and they can skirt the courts. 
So they're already spiked. They can, they already are. That's Ernest Hancock's famous from Freedom's Phoenix, his famous saying, if they can, they already are. Well, guess what? They already are. Tracking has now become a vital tool for the military, for the intelligence agencies, and for law enforcement. Indeed, they're using it almost every day. I'll say that there's no question amongst anyone that I know in the community that many, if not all, of the people that were involved in the situation at the Capitol on January 6th were being tracked previous to January 6th because they already knew what their pattern of life was. They already knew who to look at. Many of the people who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th left digital footprints that law enforcement has used in making arrests. You're saying they must have known about these people before because some of those guys were arrested one day, three days, five days after January 6th, and that's not enough time to do the geo-tracking analysis. The very idea that you could go from the afternoon of January 6th to acquiring the data, tracking the data, unmask who actually owns that phone, which the government is required to do, and then get it to a grand jury, make an arrest in 72 hours? Impossible. It's, it's, impossible. Not, it's not possible. They had to have been tracking the people in advance. But the fact of the matter is, these techniques are used every single day by law enforcement, the intelligence community, the Department of Defense. Sorry about that. And so on and so on. They're already doing this. If they can, they already are, right? Of course, what, what were they talking about there? The whole January 6th fiasco, which is also falling apart. Here's surveillance video from the Capitol. You can see coordinated attempts to pull people away from the east doors. This is where the whole crowd's outside. They're trying to get them inside the Capitol, but the doors are locked by these magnetic holes. And he's looking up at somebody. What's he looking up at right there? The surveillance camera? Because I, you know, I think if you're, I think these are the guys who were let in on the backside by security now coming through to the front where all the people are to try and let them in and the doors are locked. And now they're looking up at somebody either up above somewhere or watching from the surveillance cameras and they're pointing to the door, unlock it because they can't let the people in. And here comes another guy. He's looking in. And then magically, the doors open. And two Capitol, uh, or not Capitol Police, but Sergeant at Arms run up. They try and stop it. These guys fight them and get the people start coming in. Of course, these guys, they're not wanted by the FBI. But the grandma is still in solitary confinement for just walking around. This was an inside job committed by the Democrats and their deep state and their handlers, the deep state. These elements, criminal elements within the government. who are trying to bring down 
crash, collapse our society, kill a bunch of people off, and remake the world the way that benefits them. That's the plan here. Been the plan all along. That's where they're trying to take this. Telling people to come in. But yet, not in jail. Because they're in on it. They were working for the FBI. And it's right there for everyone to see. So we went in. We decided to do the Atlanta metro area because it picks up some rural areas. It picks up some urban areas. It picks up some. Okay. So what did they do? This guy was brilliant. He buys the same data. But instead of looking at September 11th, where it can be used to you know, track people and you know, they talk about pattern of life, which is a very interesting thing. This is, by the way, same kind of analysis I used to do for the phone companies, looking at landline records and finding patterns of fraud and so forth. Um, just way more complex because it's geolocation data and so forth. But they went to these companies and created these areas of interest and correlations that they wanted queried out of the data and got a petabyte, I think, of information, which is massive. I mean, I was working at the time, AT&T, this was 20, 15 years ago or so, uh, 110 gig, I think, for a day of all the landline calls, of the SS7 records for all the landline calls, which is the metadata. He's talking, you know, this, this phone's 1.25 terabytes of storage in it. He's talking a thousand times that much that information okay suburban areas 309 drop boxes in in the area and we thought okay well this is a pretty good test we in essence sort of fenced around those geofencing geofencing and then we were able to make purchase of data of people that had been near those drop boxes but also near the organizations Across the country, we bought 10 trillion signals. When they give you this data, this data that you then have to go through, what does this data look like? Well, it's a massive data transfer. We have more than a petabyte of data. You're talking about transacting hundreds of terabytes, so it's a significant move of data. You have 10 trillion signals, that's, that's a lot of signals. So what was the criterion that you set? Final decision was they had to have been to 10 or more drop boxes, meaning unique visits inside of a space, and five or more visits to one, of the, one or more of these organizations. Those were the outliers. It was such an aberrant pattern. So what you're saying, I mean, it seems to me there's no reason for someone to go to even two drop boxes, but you're saying that maybe there's a conceivable reason someone did that. Let's identify a large number of drop boxes and multiple trips, and that way we're gonna catch not all the offenders, right, but the worst offenders. The way we would describe it is we want to absolutely ensure that we don't have false positives, meaning including people that should not have been included. We're not in any way saying that this is all there is. We're just saying that based on our criteria that we identified in Atlanta, 242 people that went to an average of 24 drop boxes in eight organizations during a two-week period. 242 people 
eight or more locations, so they're not even getting everybody. And how did this happen, right? Well, this is where BLM comes in, right? Because that that is clearly a coordinated effort. This is not like random things happening, just small-time scammers doing this. This was a nation, uh, not nationwide, but a national coordinated effort in the important states to win to collect these ballots, to um, get them, you know, fix the, the information on them, put the fix in, and then get them delivered to the drop boxes. And it was these nonprofits that are funded by the Democrats that were employed to organize this whole effort, okay? And now what's happening on that front? Well, okay, so this is insane. In real time right now, Candace Owens is on that case. I am watching uh, Patrice Cullors do a live claiming that I went to her property and demanded to speak to her. Um, and she's, I, I, I only way I can describe it is she sounds like she's really scared. Um, we're working on a documentary talking about all the funding pertaining to Black Lives Matter. Obviously, we know that Patrice and a lot of the founders purchased million dollars home, million dollar homes in white neighborhoods. Uh, they also purchased a Black Lives Matter property. So we went to the property and asked if there was anyone that we could speak to. Very politely, by the way, we've got cameras in tow, so there's no way she can. It's all. By the way, they're buying those million dollar homes because they were paid millions of dollars to be part of this criminal enterprise. Right? It's good to be on the top till you get caught on camera and we just said is there anyone we can speak to nobody asked us to leave um the person went inside it was just a white man that we saw outside that was providing security which is super interesting because obviously patrice here is anti-police and so she's oh my god i think she's crying on this live pretending that she was harassed we like i said very politely to the guys or anyone we can speak to um, my name's candace owens we never went over the gate it was just me ringing the doorbell trying to speak to someone he said absolutely nothing he started just recording us and we said okay if there's no one we can speak to we're gonna leave um patrice is pretending to be scared because she knows that this black lives matter lie is falling apart um and she doesn't know what to do i mean people are aware of the scam that is black lives matter she's intentionally limited the comments so you can't even comment on this post because i was going to comment and be like this is a complete lie and we have it all on camera in terms of what happened so their narrative is dying they are in serious serious trouble so what you are seeing right now is the face of a woman who is pretending she's afraid of right-wing pundits when in reality she's being exposed as a fraud who took millions used the faces of black people took millions of dollars to fund herself to fund her lifestyle to fund her girlfriend and to buy million dollar mansions in neighborhoods where no black people live so patrice um this footage that we this and see what candace may not be clued into is she was given those millions of dollars for organizing the ballot harvesting and the ballot box stuffing which by the way as we talked about last week you know remember how they were feigning this fake concern against uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter as well as that other billionaire Mark Zuckerberg running Facebook well he was given millions of dollars I think it was 15 million to one metropolitan area to put in these drop boxes which the courts have ruled were illegal 
And, uh, you know, that's the mechanism that they use. So he was part of this theft of democracy, of the election, of the integrity. Not that they really, the government had any integrity in the first place, but he played a key role in it as well, right? story that we're covering is it's a, a significant one. I have always been interested in the fraud that is Black Lives Matter, your fake tears, your crocodile tears about someone politely ringing your gate and speaking to your white security guard and, and asking if there was anyone that I could talk to because I was covering the story. Um, Remember when Black Lives Matter actually broke the gate and Kate went into that rich white neighborhood and threatened those people and that you had the lawyer, the wife, whatever. Not really going to cut it, Patrice. This is only going to commit me further to discovering the truth about what you have done with this funding. Black people died. You used their faces to raise money. You demanded that the policing be stopped. You demanded that police officers be defunded, but you've got a private security detail um, outside of million dollar homes. It just doesn't work this way, sweetheart. So it's good um, to be king. The truth shall set you free, or Candace Owens shall set you free, girl, because I'm about to tell the truth. All right, we're still filming. Bye. Very much looking forward to that, right? A mule is, by our definition, a person that is involved in picking up ballots from locations and running them to the drop boxes. So you have the collectors on the one hand, you have the stash houses, which are the, the nonprofits, and then you have the, the mules that are doing the drops. What? So that's their organization, right, is these nonprofits, Black Lives Matter and associated groups were the ones plugged into the community. And these are people low income, willing to go do the simple, get some ballots from an old folks home or something for 10 bucks or deliver them for 10 bucks, whatever it is. I think, I think the harvesters were paid like 200 maybe. And the people delivering them to the drop boxes were paid 10 bucks per ballot. And they were doing this for tens of thousands of ballots swinging the election in state after state after state, right? And of course, this is Bolivia, where they found out they stopped the government van filled with ballots. Every one of them, let me back that up, I'm holding it up right there. You can see it's already filled in for one candidate, all of these thousands of ballots laying in the road. Boxes and boxes and boxes already filled in for their ringer. They've been rigging these elections for God knows how long, putting criminals in place to further take away our rights Take away your freedoms and control your lives while they extract your wealth. That's the reality that we're in. Okay. Breaking right, news in St. Lucia. So this is St. Luca uh, or Lucia, maybe. This guy's standing outside a bank where, guess what? They've run out of money. And there's a big crisis right now at the bank. No money in the ATMs. Everything is a kind of way right now, so we just watch what's going on. But there's a crisis right here in our banks. People want long line of everything. And you can see that line goes down the block. No money in the ATM. The banks are running scared. Something is going on. Talk to the power. Stay tuned. 
Oh yeah, I like that groove. Yeah, something is going on. The dollar's failing. Because again, if you go listen to if you don't understand this, it's it's complicated and there's a lot of like moving pieces to it. And I don't think anybody knows exactly how it's gonna unfold. But I think uh, the guy from Real Vision, uh, he's got the dollar milkshake theory. So if you go and just Google, or don't Google, screw them. Search for the dollar milkshake theory. I, there's a Real Vision video where he's, he describes it. I think he's done several other interviews and so forth where he kind of explains how he sees things playing out. And basically, there's a lot of demand, I think, coming in for dollars, and it makes them scarce. And there are regions of the world like... St. Louis, you know, these smaller countries that really depend on dollars being available to run their countries. And that is breaking down. So those places are going to start having problems. And those will be warning signs that we're getting closer to the ultimate collapse of the dollar itself. Okay. Speaking of which, here's some more warning signs. I really like this thread. It says perfect analogy is the feedback loop with the pilots, which are you know representative of the central bank and the governments that creates these wild oscillations and ultimate crash, right? So what they're talking about um, is down here. Here's a picture of an aircraft taken at a certain time. This is a plane that crashed. Uh, the stabilizer's missing. It says in reality they've lost. They meaning the Fed has lost the plane's stabilizer and hydraulics, which enables the plane to control its movements of the plane. Eventually, all they have to control the plane is the power input to the engine, speed up or speed down, and it's the fugoid, or fugoid cycle, something like that. Well, what is that? Let me show you real quick. There's a little simulation right here. And I've got this speed sped up. Um, this is a game simulation showing this whole process. And you can kind of see that like the plane dipped down and now it's kind of bottoming out and it's starting to climb back up where it's losing speed but gaining altitude. And then it will peak and it will come over the peak and start gaining speed and losing altitude. And this is this natural oscillation. That's what this cycle is describing. This natural oscillation that slowly occurs where the plane constantly oscillates between the balance of speed and altitude. Okay, without, you know, a pilot interrupting it, interrupting that cycle. Okay, so it's really, it's not that bad of a thing. At least it shouldn't be, but... And, and it's generally not a big deal until a problem occurs, right? So here's the Wikipedia. An aircraft motion, which uh, the vertical pitch, uh, which the vehicle pitches up and climbs and then pitches down and descends, accompanied by a speeding up and slowing down as it goes downhill and uphill. And you can see the little green jets here. It's just making a sine wave as it goes along, up and down, up and down. Well, what happens when things fail? In 1972, an Aero Italian Forker F-27 en route from Rome 
uh, climbed to 13,500 feet, entered an area of poor weather with local thunderstorm activity. At almost 15,000 feet, the aircraft suddenly lost 1,200 feet of altitude and its speed dropped. It developed uh, fugoid oscillations from which the pilots could not recover. The aircraft struck the ground at a speed of 340 knots. Three crew and 15 passengers aboard were killed. In 1975, uh, a USAF C-5 is a big cargo plane uh, with flight controls damaged by the failure of rear cargo pressure door encountered the fugoid uh, oscillations while the crew was attempting to a return to the base and crash landed in a rice paddy adjacent to the airport. Of the 328 people on board, 153 died, making it the deadliest accident involving the U.S. military aircraft. Uh, 1985. Japan Airlines uh, Flight 123 lost all hydraulic controls and its vertical stabilizer. That was the one used in the example and went into Fujigoid uh, motion while the crew were able to maintain near flight level through the use of engine power. The plane lost height over a mountain range northwest of Tokyo before crashing into Mount Takamagera. Uh, with 520 deaths, it remains the deadliest single aircraft disaster in history. And it goes on and on and on. So you get the idea. It's not a big deal until the levers start breaking and you can't control the plane anymore. There's one here that was interesting about hydraulic engine failure and hydraulic failure. The crew that flew the aircraft with throttle only suppressing the fugoid tendency was particularly difficult. The pilots reached Sussex uh, Gateway Airport but crashed during the landing attempt. All four uh, cockpit members uh, and a majority of the passengers survived. So there was a case where they were able to carefully navigate it. But that's what we're heading into, right? And I think we're starting to see the signs of it. I think we've turned the corner on the housing market. Here's a, a Zero Hedge article. Used car prices are crashing at near record pace. Now you can see from the chart right here that they're still way high compared to where they were because of inflation and so forth, but that it is dropping back down pretty rapidly. Okay. And the same thing is true in the, I think the loans because they're having to raise these interest rates and the feds become so obsolete, like they raise a half a quarter point and the market responds by raising interest rates like two and 3%, one, two, 3% on houses right? Because the, they know the feds, you know, not doing what they're, what they should be. They're not going to make that happen. And so they're responding. I'm sorry, my thing's making noise over here. And I don't know why. Okay. So they're, what, what's going to happen is People won't be able to afford cars because they don't have the money to buy them outright. They're buying them on credit and the higher interest rates means they can't pay as much. So there's less demand. You also have all of these people dying from their vaccine injuries and the, the 18 year olds that are dropping dead and, you know, playing basketball or running track, so forth. They're, they're not going to need houses. They're not going to be working at some job somewhere. They're not going to need a car. So we're seeing at the same time that costs are increasing, demand is decreasing for a reason that, you know, really doesn't happen very often. So this is creating a perfect storm. And that's, I was talking to my brother um, today about 
the, the two houses that he's bought last week. Somebody was asking what happened with those. <clears throat> These are two houses that are related and have both caught on fire. Family wanted to get out of there and get away from the situation. So, and I was curious how my brother did this. And I'm telling you this because I think we're heading into a, um, a time where I think crypto is going to do really well eventually. And the, the housing market will collapse severely. This is not the time to buy a house. I think really now is probably the time to be in cash more than anything. I'm not giving you financial advice, just my opinions. Um, I, I think, you know, so what he did, he went in, uh, did a, because they both have fire damage, they both have insurance and a claim there, and he has his flood restoration company, and he'll probably be able to build that out at like a million dollars for both houses to, to redo them because these are big 3,000 square foot homes. Um, he'll probably get it done for like 30% of that and make, you know, four, six, 700 grand right there because he's been doing it so long and he has good crews that are dependable and know what they're doing and on and on. Uh, and then put him back on the market. He did a lease to own, wrote the guy a check for 300 grand. Here you go. Go get your life started over. He doesn't want to be there anyway. Um, and he's leased to own them. And then once the, once the rebuild is ready and he's ready to put them back on the market, that's when he'll make the other payment and, uh, buy the two houses and, uh, flip them and sell them. And I'm telling him, get, get, I, I'm like, did you get the windows order? He's like, yep, already done. I'm like get, get these done and get them flipped as soon as possible. Cause the market has turned. So, and I've been warning you guys that this was coming. Well, it's here folks. It's here. And it's, there's so many, just like we just went through with the election falling apart, which by the way, <laughs> was why I got kicked off of YouTube for talking about all of those things happening. Oh, well, not the, not the ballot box stuffing, but definitely the ballot boxes and so forth. We didn't know the details of what was going on, but we had some clues and so forth. And that's one of the things they go through in this 2000 mules. They talk about uh, how audits of the ballots, once you separate the envelopes, they call it the perfect crime because there's no way to detect it. Once the ballot's separated, it, it's, it's anonymized and you have no idea whose, uh, whose vote that is anymore. And that's by design. Well, that's something that blockchain can fix. We don't need governments to rig elections and tell us they're safe and secure. We can do this ourselves with blockchains and zero knowledge proofs and so forth. And it can all be public. It can all be auditable and we can have elections in real time. They don't have to be even done on the same day. And you might even be able to, you know, like change your vote. You vote early and then the candidate does something or says something that's absolutely ridiculous that you disagree with. You should be able to change your vote and you'd be able to do that in a blockchain based system. But instead we're stuck with, they're rigged crony systems that put criminals in charge who then turn around and fleece us for everything that they can. That's the, that's the system that you guys want to save. And by just getting the right people in there, well, got news for you. It's not going to work. Let me see what else we got here. Uh, okay. T well, hold on. Let me go back. We're going to talk about Tiffany Dover. But before we do... Actually, no, let's talk about it right now. So let me go back to there. 
Hold on. I think Tiffany Dover's alive. So I've changed my mind on this. And so the reason is three, a couple pieces of new information have come out. Uh, this is one of them right here. So this is from uh, Facebook and you can go in the group and verify it. This is Tiffany's mom, I believe. And these are Christmas pictures, actually. Let's, let's do that here in just a second. And you can see that looks like Tiffany Dover to me sitting on the couch next to her husband. These are from a few months back, December 17th, I believe. And here's another one. That's her daughter in the glasses with the blonde, long blonde hair. And you can see Tiffany sitting right next to her in that picture. And then there's her, uh, her son. He's the one kind of on the left, middle left. And then here's her daughter and her son with two newborns in the family. And they're all wearing the same clothes. They all look the same. Earlier pictures of the son, he had shorter hair, so he's grown his hair out. Also suggesting time has passed, that these are current. And there's this Tiffany Dover podcast, and this is the big aha that they're going to get everybody with. that She's alive, and she's agreed to an interview. So, I know. I think it's, I, I think she is. Now, why didn't she just come out and say, hi, this is Tiffany Dover. I'm very much alive and fine. Thank you all for your concern. And it would have put this thing to rest. I don't know. I have no idea. I'd love to hear what she has to say about it. But, you know, when the evidence changes, you have to be willing to reevaluate your beliefs and what you thought and what you said. And I was wrong about her. I think she's alive. Or I think the evidence shows that she's alive. And, and unfortunately, so many people that are into conspiracy theories would look at something like this and come up with an even more elaborate conspiracy that, well, uh, the picture's photoshopped and the family's in on it. it whatever, however they need to expand it to explain the new evidence is what they do. Now, could there be fake evidence in here? Yes, but for the reasons I just outlined, this looks legitimate. Seems likely that she's fine. Now, the daughter talks about, or sorry, the sister-in-law, the husband's wife, talks about an NDA in this podcast when she was surprised on the porch taking her kids out. Was that the hospital? Was that from Pfizer? I don't know, but they did buy a new house shortly after this whole thing. So maybe they got a cha-ching and that's why she's not talking i don't know hopefully we'll get some answers but uh okay also another paradigm crashing and burning right here's the pope and uh if you back it up to the beginning of the video here he's sitting in a chair and there's somebody there Arms under his armpit, lifting him out of the chair. He can't stand. The Pope is grabbing the forearms of this big gentleman that's lifting him out up. And they're still standing there. And now he's still standing there, hasn't stepped down yet. He's holding on to two people now. They've cut. He's holding on to the chair, the arm of one of the bishops, the arm of the security guy that's helping him just to get down off the platform. The Pope's dying. 
Now, we have this prophecy of the popes right here. And, uh, well, there's a question as to whether or not he's Peter. If you don't know what this is, this was uh, St. Malachi. He had this vision where he was given these names, and this is it right here. There's a little picture of it. He was given these names of all these future popes in order that were coming. And, well, at the end, it comes to a rather unusual conclusion, right? There were 112 popes, and we're on the last pope right now. And every one of them, the names that they give, there's like some characteristic. One of The first one is from a castle of the Tiber, uh, enemy expelled. And so there's a story as to the pope who was chosen, how that clue fits him sort of thing. And some of it's not connecting a little bit, but a lot of these were really dead on. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to remember which one pig in the sleeve. I think that was on the family. Yeah. Coat of arms had this, had a pig in this, in the sieve. Sorry. Uh, and so on and so forth. And we'll go through to the very bottom here. The last one, you had the glory of the olive. That was Benedict. Who's, uh, he was founder of the Benedictine order, which is which the Oliverians are the branch. Other explanations make reference to him being a, a pope dedicated to peace and reconciliation, which is the olive branch symbol. And then we get to the last one, number 112. In the final persecution of the Holy Roman Church, there will sit Peter the Roman, who will pasture his sheep in many tribulations And when these things are finished, the city of seven hills, which is Rome, will be destroyed and the dreadful judge will judge his people the end. Now, there's questions. So, uh, as to whether or not this is actually Peter the Roman, who's the Pope now, or if there's going to be another one because of the way the previous one had to step down because of the scandals and so forth. Uh, forms a separate sentence and paragraph its own. While often readers uh, read as part of Peter the Roman prophecy, the interpreters interpreted it as a separate, incomplete sentence, explicitly referring to additional popes between the glory of Olive and Peter the Roman, meaning there could be this gap period is how some people interpret it. Many analysis of the prophecy note that it is open to interpretation that additional popes would come between the glory of the Olive and Peter the Roman, Popular speculation by proponents of the prophecy attached this uh, prediction to Benedict's successor. Since Francis' election as Pope, proponents in the internet forums have been striving to link him to the prophecy. Theories include a vague connection with Francis of Assisi, whose father was named Peter. So is this him or are there going to be more? I, I don't think there are. I mean, maybe there'll be one more and that will be Peter the Roman, but I don't think there's going to be a whole bunch because... We've also had Cliff High's WebBot data talking about secrets revealed after this wall collapse at the Vatican or the Sorcerer's Palace. I forget what the identifying words were for the Vatican, but it was not, you know, like uh, head of the Roman church or got anything. It was, they were not very um, pleasant descriptive terms for them. And supposedly it's because there are food riots going on 
why would there be food riots? I mean, it's not like all the distribution plants burning down over the past 12 months and they're digging up gardens in China and uh, locking people down and shutting down production. And you've got all this massive amount of backlog in China because of uh, the lockdowns, all the disruption the lockdowns have created. That's going to empty the store shelves and cause a whole nother set of ripple on effects. So there's going to go into the web bot data predicts this, these food rise where people are hungry and the section of wall collapses and there are out of that comes all of these secrets revealed as people loot the Vatican and find all this not so pleasant stuff at the same time, uh, you know, we've got this, this multi-century prophecy Peter the Roman who will pasture his sheep in many tribulations like you know COVID and a bunch of people dying off from the vaccine injuries and when things are finished the city of seven hills Rome will be destroyed tie in the web bot food riots secrets revealed when they find out they're eating and molesting children and doing God knows what else you think they're going to let the Vatican stand city of seven hills will be destroyed and the dreadful judge will judge his people the end I don't know but it's certainly an interesting thing to look at look at right okay let's go back to here not there but um, it's not the mandate is not to adjudicate what is true or false online or or otherwise. Um, it will operate in a nonpartisan and apolitical manner. It's the ministry of truth. We have a new ministry of truth to tell us reality because you po- can't possibly be figuring it out on your own. <laughs> and they're not going to be censoring people. This is at a much higher level. It's what Jen Pasaki here is explaining. Who, by the way. She's about to head off to one of the mainstream media propaganda outlets and her replacement is literally in bed with a female CNN anchor. So, so her partner, the new white house press secretary is literally getting in bed with a CNN anchor every night. (laughs) And that's not a problem for them. They don't see that as a conflict of interest. Of course it's not. I mean, Fauci is the one who's pushing the drug. His wife is the one who approves them. But that's not a conflict of interest. Of course it's not. (laughs) Basically meant to coordinate a lot of the ongoing work that is happening. And what their focus is, the focus is on disinformation that threatens the homeland, as I noted, which things like inciting things that would incite violent extremism, um, you know, human traffickers and other transnational criminal organizations, uh, any efforts at uh, malign foreign influence, anything that would endanger individuals during emergencies. So only one problem with this explanation, that that group already exists. So they have that group, right? So what is she talking about? A lot of this work is really about work that people may not see every day. That's ongoing by the Department of Homeland Security. Uh Uh-huh. And who'd they pick? 
um, talking about the deep state and mm -hmm. things like that, which is a, a thread among conspiracy com communities here in the United States, that there is this secret cabal here in Washington working to undermine the American people. Yeah, I mean, we don't have any evidence of that. I, well, I mean, besides what Fauci's doing with Peter Daszak, the CIA cutout, where they're funding uh, bioweapons research and by the, you know, it, it was actually funded by the Department of Defense in the name of defense, you know, to protect us against these coronaviruses. Only one problem with that. They weren't actually using existing coronaviruses, what you would call a live attenuated virus. They were actually engineering new ones that didn't exist in order to protect us from them. And that seems to be exactly what's gotten out with the three HIV inserts at the binding sites and the fur and cleavage site. And okay, let's say we want to give you that the HIV inserts are natural. There's no explanation for the FCS and Fauci knew that and he hid it and they worked to discredit anyone that talked about it being anything other than natural. Why? Because Fauci funded the development of this bioweapon that was unleashed on the people because Fauci knew that fusion inhibitors like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, some of the other treatments were effective at stopping the spread of this disease. Why did he know? Well, because they developed an aerosol spray that did exactly that in China. They were working with Ralph Barrick from UNC, who's also part of this criminal conspiracy. But no, no. There's nothing here, obviously. It couldn't be farther from the truth as someone mm -hmm. who works with and around public servants every oh. day. So because they're your friends, they obviously can't be corrupt. It's brilliant logic there. What individuals can do. So obviously we're not going to see a, a nationwide media literacy program instituted in the next 40 days. So here's your crash course. Uh, first of all. But I bet she'd like to do that, huh? I like to say we all need to be practicing informational distancing right now in addition to social distancing. Understanding that disinformation manipulates your emotions. If you feel yourself getting really worked up about something, the best thing you can do is to close your device or put it down and walk away for a little while. And if you still find something... If you come across something that conflicts the narrative, just don't look at it. Literally. She's going around telling people, don't look up. Don't look up. Wasn't there a movie about that? Gnawing at you, then you can start to do a little bit of due diligence. So if you're on a weird website you've never seen before, does it have contact information? Not just a contact us form, but an actual physical address and a phone number. Does it have a masthead for its editorial staff? Has that Are they accredited? In other words, don't listen to these independents that have been right about all these things that we've been banning from platform after platform after platform because they're exposing our agenda by this deep state that obviously clearly doesn't exist because I have friends and they're not deep state. That author ever written anything before and is it of the same caliber? Is it also that manipulative emotional stuff? Um, if it has interesting visual content and by interesting, I mean your spidey senses start to tingle, you should teach yourself how to do a reverse image search. This is an easy thing to do that's built into most browsers these days. Now th this is actually good advice. So th there are, there is a lot of bullshit in the conspiracy circles that circulates and people just, 
even when I bring it up to some of them that things are fake, like I said, they'll, they'll find some way to justify it or, or explain that, Oh no, Sam, you're wrong. Or they don't want to look at it, whatever. There is a lot of crap that gets circulated as truth or whatever that shouldn't be because people are lazy because people want to believe a certain view worldview that their worldview is correct. And they're willing to sort of engage in a little cognitive dissonance to make that possible. Um, and basically what that allows you to do is find the earliest instance of that image on the internet or similar images. Um, so you can kind of track and see where it's coming from. Often disinformation will misappropriate uh, images. So we see the Russians, for example, uh, using images from the Balkan conflicts in the 1990s as oh. images of Ukraine today. Um, this is a great way to spot false information. Um, kind of like, you know, when Hillary Clinton said that the Russians had this dossier that she hired her lawyer to actually create, who's under indictment right now. Was that misinformation? That is that still inform, misinformation, or is it now no longer considered misinformation? That would be one of my first questions. Um, and I'm sure one of the mainstream media reporters is going to ask her. Finally, just thinking before you share, under understanding that again they're playing on your emotions and hoping for that organic engagement. That's what makes this stuff blow up. It's not about ads anymore. It's not about the information. It's about being manipul emotionally manipulated, not sharing something that's true. Um, and understanding the role that you play in that ecosystem. And finally, if you're going to engage with a friend or family member and, and tell them, you know, this is actually wrong, here's the Snopes link, um, <laughs> psychologists. Snopes or the fact checkers, right, which are funded by the pharmaceutical cartels or by the companies that hold billions of dollars in stock of the pharmaceutical cartels? People who, who actually have studied these interactions uh, on a massive scale have shown that it's actually better to do that in a personal format. So whether that's a, a direct message, picking up the phone, sending a text message or having a conversation, and rather than just sending the fact check immediately, because most of the people who have been taken in by this stuff don't want to be told they're wrong. They don't want to be fact checked. And they usually think that mm -hmm. the fact checkers are part of the deep state. The best. Uh It's public information, sweetie. It's public information who funds the fact checkers. It's public information that Reuters has their own fact checking organization. It's public information that the Reuters CEO is on the board at Pfizer. But she wants to paint it as the deep state. There are competing criminal enterprises operating within government, with government, outside of government, working to extract, pull off the biggest heist that they can. Okay, and that's the extra vaccines that went to that country. That was just a bribe. That's all it was. That was just, to, those doses were shipped just to make it look good. Thing you can do is say, why do you believe that? And get into a conversation about it. It's not going to be a cut and dry, like, let me just debunk that for you. Of course, when you get into that conversation and you start hitting them with facts, or you ask them, what have you done to verify the fact checkers? That's when they get very hostile and defensive and don't want to talk anymore.
that's not going to work and it's actually going to cause people to get a little bit more entrenched. So that's what I've tried to employ in my own personal life. It gets frustrating sometimes. I do have a QAnon believer in my extended family. Uh, but it's it's part of, uh, the engagement that we all have to do as active citizens these days. Cause this lady's a fucking moron quite simply. Speaking of which, how long we going to wait before we get up off our asses and do it ourselves? I don't know, Dr. Umar, but tell us more. I want to know. I could sum up Garveyism, revolutionary pan-African nationalism in two words, our own two words. Our own. The the PNC that went to another country got money to buy weapons to blow up the government, kill people. What does Dr. Umar believe in? Two words, our own. Okay. I don't want his hospital. I want my own. I don't want his woman. I want my own. I don't want his community. I want my own. I don't want his bank. I want my own. I don't want his oil. I want my own. What does that mean exactly? Whatever everyone else can do for themselves, we can do for ourselves. But in order to get there, black family, we got to go through some growing pains. Oh, oh, I see. I see, Dr. Umar. So when I walk into Chase Bank, I own that because I'm white. Or what were the other ones? Uh, a girlfriend, I guess you can't date outside your race, according to Dr. Umar. Pan-African nationalism in two words, our own. I don't want his hospital. I want- so when I go to the hospital, that's my hospital because I'm white, apparently. I want my own. I don't want his woman. I want my own. I don't want his community. I want my own. I don't want his bank. I want my own. I don't want his oil i want my own so when i buy gas i own the gas station because i'm white brilliant logic whatever everyone else can do for themselves we can do for ourselves but in order to get their black family we got to go through some growing pains in order to get their black family we have to go through some growing pains what do i mean when i say growing pains When a child is born, the child has to learn how to crawl. After they learn how to crawl, they have to learn how to walk. And in learning how to walk, they're going to fall sometimes. How many of you fell all the way down the steps when you was learning how to walk? You was a one-year-old going up the step and you let go and you fell all the way back. I hit this big head a lot of times on them steps at 16th and Susquehanna. I hit this big old head a lot of times I'm come falling down the steps that. at 16th and Susquehanna Avenue in North Philadelphia where we lived at. I bumped this head a whole lot of times. You said that three times. Now. But I got right back up and learned how to do it again. It's called growing pains. The white man ain't got to go through the growing pains. He did it 400 years ago. The China- I don't struggle because I'm white. Chinese ain't got to go through the growing pains. They did it 100 years ago. The Arabs ain't got to... The Chinese locked in their homes, literally screws holding their doors shut, food being thrown in the hallway, in quarantine camps. They're not that, you know, they're free, right? Go through the growing pains. They did it 75 years ago. It's your turn. It is your turn to go through the growing pains. 
And then some of you say, why do we have to go through the growing pains for? Ain't nobody else going through it because they already went through it. They didn't did it already. The reason you have to do it is because during slavery and colonialism in Africa, they held us in a state of arrested development. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's a problem with your theory, Dr. Omar. I think the problem is that it's full of holes. Say it with me now, full of holes. See, because we're all slaves. We're all slaves to a government that extracts our wealth, controls our lives, takes away ever-increasing amounts of freedom. We're all still on the plantation. We're all still slaves. It's just free-range slavery. They let you pick your job, pick what you want to do in life, help you out if you're you know, in trouble. Of course, help you out, hook you on welfare, turn you into a dependent class of the state so that you're easily controlled and can be counted on to vote a certain way for a, you know the, the, the Democrat branch of the big government party instead of the Republican branch. And they're the plantations, they're countries. They're identified by the flags that people wave. And sometimes you can petition to transfer to another plantation, but you'll still be a slave. The way that we get to our own is by flattening and decentralizing our society in every way possible. Not by creating racism that you're advocating or building parallel systems of control. The way that we do this is we take the power to print and coin money out of the hands of the state. And that's what crypto and DeFi and smart contracts are doing. We take that power away. They can't print money. They can't extract our wealth through inflation, a hidden tax. They can't use it to oppress us. That is how we all get free. Hope I've given you some things to think about. Of course, he blocked me on Twitter. So where is all this going? Hasn't quite fully grown back yet. He's learned to interact with a computer for a tasty banana smoothie delivered through a straw. We can interact with the Neuralinks simply by pairing them to an iPhone, just as you might pair your phone to a Bluetooth speaker. So what they have here is a monkey has been fitted with Neuralink. It's Bluetooth linked to a phone so they can pull all the data. And he's got a little feeding tube that's pumping out like a banana treat or something. And there's a computer screen and he's got a little, like an old Atari 2600 joystick or video game joystick mounted to the wall. And on the screen is a box and there's a little dot. And when he moves the joystick, it controls the dot. And when he moves the dot to the box, he gets a treat. The links record from more than 2,000 electrodes implanted in the regions of Page's motor cortex that coordinate hand and arm movements. Neurons in this region modulate their activity with intended hand movement. For example, some might become more active when he moves his hand up and others 
when he moves it to the right. By recording from many neurons and feeding their activity into a decoder algorithm, we are able to predict Paige's intended hand movements in real time. First, we calibrate the decoder by recording neural activity as Pager uses the joystick to move a cursor to targets presented on the screen. As he's playing this game, we're wirelessly streaming, in real time, the firing rates from thousands of neurons to a computer. And what you can see there, it looks like a, you know, a bunch of white noise on an old television that, uh, you know, back when you had broadcast TV, that people were still watching. And those are all the little sensors all around his head, detecting the brain signals, these neurons firing as he's moving the little dot to the box. And they're able to process that and figure out what it means and figure out what the different changes in, in electrical patterns mean. And then they continue. Using these data, we calibrate the decoder by mathematically modeling the relationship between patterns of neural activity and the different joystick movements they produce. After only a few minutes of calibration, we can use the output from the decoder to move the cursor instead of the joystick. If you look at the, the video there, the joystick is unplugged. He's sitting there moving it, but it's not the joystick controlling the little dot anymore. It's his mind wirelessly through Bluetooth. Pages still moves the joystick out of habit, but as you can see, it's unplugged. He's controlling the cursor entirely with decoded neural activity. Our goal is to enable a person with paralysis to use a computer or phone with their brain activity alone. That sounds because they wouldn't be so very noble, right? They're going to use this technology to benefit humanity, and this is where. Elon Musk is incredibly, incredibly scary to me because just as easily as they can put sensors in there, they could also put emitters in there. And then, you know, they'll use it only to help people with depression or to help people with fill in the blank. And what they're doing, what they'll be able to do is actually control and manipulate people's emotions, their thinking, their mindset. No telling the complexity of where this will go. But this is the prototype. Able to move a joystick, they would calibrate the decoder by imagining hand movements to targets. One of the see, things the Neuralinks allow Pager to do. You can see here, he's playing Pong, which is a old game with two paddles and I used to actually play this I'm dating myself here on the Atari 2600 I think and in television with the little dial that was badass anyway and this little ball bounces back and forth well there's no joystick he's just controlling it with his mind is to play his favorite video game Pong to control his paddle on the right side of the screen Pager simply thinks about moving his hand up or down we've removed the joystick altogether now that he's up to speed, let's increase the difficulty. <laughs> so apparently, Paige the monkey, uh, there was a, a lab accident, started a fire. Paige was never found. There's been reports of gorillas circulating the trees, but I'm sure it's all going to be fine, folks. Just fine. This is a double-edged sword, this kind of technology. Okay? And we need to understand 
uh, it's all about the intent. And, and it, you know, I kind of wonder, I think there's this sort of paradigm split between these alien races that exist out there in the universe. And there are some that seem to have chosen um, spirituality as their evolutionary path, uh, where they meditate, they evolve their thinking, which evolves their capabilities. We literally live in a universe that if you, if everyone thinks it and mutually understands that it's possible, it becomes possible. Okay. And then you have this other branch, I think, that chooses the technology route to extend life through technology and so forth. And that's what I think this Neuralink represents. And it seems like the technology route would always open one up to um, interference, manipulation, control. Because that's uplinking to somewhere. Who's writing that code? Who's controlling it? Who's sending the downlink signals back? What are those doing? What's the purpose? Is it what they say they're doing? You have no guarantees of that. So I would bet that these alien societies, races that are abundant in the universe, that have been around for a long time and evolved to master technologies in ways that we can only can't even really comprehend yet, at least publicly in the mainstream science. Um, I bet they're going to be the ones that are authoritative and uh, more dangerous and so forth. Whereas the spiritual ones want to sort of help us evolve, help us get free of this system so that we can choose a different path. And I think right now we're being led down the technological path because if you watch the whole the WAF and this Yuri guy that's absolutely disgusting talking about your freedoms and your privacy is a thing of the past we are going to microchip everyone and control their minds free will we will eliminate that's where they want to go and there's a reason for that and the reason is they want to be able to control you at a fundamental level so that you have no thought other than to comply. This is what George Orwell, this is what doublethink is all about. Limit the vocabulary so that people aren't even smart enough to know that they can disagree, that there could be something different. Dumb them down continually so that we can run society the way we want. <clears throat> that's where all of this is heading. That's the narrative that's failing. And that's why we have to get this information out, share this with people, wake them up. I get so many comments about, this deserves a lot more views. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, I would be getting those if I was still on YouTube. But like two, and a, two plus years ago, I decided that talking, telling the truth about what's happening to the elections, what's happening with COVID was more important than keeping a YouTube channel with 50,000 subscribers and all this that would probably be in the six, well into the six figures at this point. Then talking to people about getting rich on XRP. Of course, those of you that didn't listen and follow me 
Well, you know, enjoy your XRP riches while you fight off cancer <laughs> because you took the shot. I would have more views if I wouldn't kicked off Twitch twice <laughs> or had Twitter accounts destroyed. These things all have an effect and I'm trying not to go back to any of them because we have to build these alternative systems. You have to be willing to get off of the fucking enemy's platform who hates your guts and wants to kill you. Might be a good idea. I don't know. What do you think? So anyway, there you go. Share this. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Michael Don here, he's, he made this badass flag that he takes to all the protests down in Australia to talk to people about this show and wake them up. That's, that's brilliant. That kind of outreach I think is so powerful. Maybe I should make something like that. Sell for those of you that want to buy it. I don't know what I'll, I got enough to do, but anyway, you get the idea. The way we defeat this, the way we keep this, these systems crumbling and, and crashing down and these narratives dying is by waking people up to the truth. 2000 mules, powerful, powerful tool to do that for Democrats. Very powerful, lays it out beautifully, makes it perfectly clear that the elections were stolen, that we have an illegitimate president and a bunch of criminals looting the treasury. Not that the Republicans don't do exactly the same thing because they do. But, you know, we can't even begin to address that until we can at least get people to see what's right in front of them. Meanwhile, society's falling apart. The dollar's crashing. <laughs> We're in for one hell of a ride, folks. So, all right. With that, I am done. Um, I'll open it up to questions. If anybody wants to come on Twitter spaces, you can do that. You're welcome to just raise your hand and I'll bring you in. We've got a few comments here. I think I saw some that I probably missed. I'll go back. See what I can see. I don't know if, uh, did rumble stay up or did that one die? No, it says it's broadcasting. So. Hopefully we're good there. I got a couple messages. I don't know what happened last week. It just crashed. So there, there's some good news. Thanks to supporters of the show. I've just went ahead and 10 bucks a month, you know, but I'm, I'm already paying like 300 just for bandwidth. Uh, but I'm live streaming to rumble. Now I should be able to add some other platforms as well, especially once I get Starlink. Uh, that will let me and make some hardware changes around here. That will let me broadcast to, uh, you know, library or uh not library but um <clears throat> odyssey that'll let me broadcast to theta that'll let me broadcast to rumble like we're doing now but and also uh, i think there's a couple others so i'll be able to stream out to as many platforms as as exist out there as well as like gab and and some of the others and so forth so do i own any private stock in ripple no i do not uh, not sure you went over it, but there was a big drop on the J and J jab having issues that came out today. FDA also posted a warning about it too. Yeah, they did. They've recommended against, uh, using it. And the reason is, uh, what's happened. There are, so, so the way J and J works, 
They took an adenovirus and they inserted genetic code to have it produce the spike protein. Uh, but they made sure well, it's not an infectious one. It doesn't de- replicate, yada, yada, yada. So therefore, it's perfectly safe and effective, 100%. And then they shot up a bunch of kids with this. And now we've got all these kids coming down with liver disease and jaundice in their eyes and so forth because the shot's killing them. And um, what's happened, what they think happened, and, and this is Fen and uh, Jicky and some of the others that have been discussing this, and there's not consensus. Nobody's really sure yet with the data that we have, but what they strongly suspect is that the spike, uh, that the adenovirus has, the spike has recombined with another adenovirus that is infectious and is causing the disease, the liver damage, and that that's becoming uh, maybe even transmissible, but I think it's primarily happening in the vaccinated right now. But that basically because they had never been exposed to one, they then became, I think, susceptible or they eventually were exposed to one. And uh, the combination of the two caused a mutation and everything that they did to protect people with J&J is now out the window. So they're not pulling it off the market because they can't, because they can't acknowledge that there is this massive death wave occurring right now, that all these people are dropping out of society, dead and vaccine injured, unable to work, that all these kids are getting sick, even though that's exactly what the data shows and they knew and they lied to us about it. So they're just trying to, you know, like cover it up as best they can by leaving it on the market letting people take this poison that might kill them, uh, but recommending against it. So that's what's happening there with Johnson and Johnson. Like I said, this whole thing is coming down folks. It's all coming out into the open. We're getting to the shock and awe phase. I think of this plan. If there is, if this is this whole Q thing, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but we've got to keep pushing whether Q is real or not. And don't wait for somebody else to come along and save us because nobody's coming to save us. We have to save ourselves. We have to save ourselves from these systems of oppression and control. And this is what I was talking about here with uh, Dr. Umar. This is not a, a black versus white thing. This is a humanity thing. We have to evolve humanity's thinking to get away from these systems of control that grow increasingly corrupt until they commit mass murder. Okay, simple as that. All right. Uh, Where's Ruby? Yeah, that was a good question. The lady that fed the ballot machine, the machines into the ballot. We're with you, Sam. Appreciate what you do. Thank you very much. Um, you made the right choice keeping going with the truth telling over XRP. Yeah, I agree completely. There's a lot of people I think that didn't take the shot because they listened to me and others warn them about it. So been with you all along, Sam. I do share. Thank you guys. Uh, yep. You definitely do. Valiant. Brilliant. As always, uh, how can I find the link tree for your channels? It is hold on. I'll throw it in chat. I have a button for it that publishes it. It's to the lifeboats.taplink.ws, and that's got everything on there. 
Uh, one of the other things I just did on Rumble is I started a new channel and it's, I think, to the lifeboat shorts is what it's called. So like this one, because we covered a bunch of different topics, I'll, I'll take, it takes a whole day to do this, but you know, I, I guess it's worth it. I'll take each topic, cut it up uh, so that it's like a three minute video, a 10 minute video. Some of them are 20 minutes. One of them from the last show was an hour, the main segment. Um, but you have these little clips that are issue specific that you can share with people. They're going to be somewhat evergreen because they're calling out the narrative, right? And that's a good way, I think, to expose people. And y'all are always welcome to download this remix, do whatever you want with it. I, I really don't care. Rather you not like just straight up copy it and commercialize it. But, uh, we need to get people to understand what's happening as many as we can and start saving ourselves. Okay. So there you go. Uh, rumble is good. Just a few seconds off. Okay. Perfect. Uh, what's your take on David Schwartz as of late? He's been pretty disappointing with his takes on free speech. Yeah. I've been going back and forth with him on some of those and he usually, um, stops, you know, he'll, he'll engage with me a couple times and then I'll make a point and he stops responding. Um, and I mean, y'all, <laughs> y'all know the points I make. They're, they're pretty dead fucking on. Uh, he is, uh, he's just had these really ridiculous positions that argue, well, if Elon buys Twitter, it's bad for free speech. But now that Elon's taking over Twitter, if Elon bans the bots, that's bad for free speech that goes against free speech. And, and he's just like, look, he took the vaccine that affects your cognitive abilities, your thinking. He's part of the mass psychosis. He's been in skirmishes, I guess we could call it, but with me and Matt Hamilton, so forth on the VARES. They think the VARES data is still all bullshit and filled out by hoaxers on the internet. <laughs> the fact checkers are the gospel on all things COVID to them. They don't need to bother to check any of these claims. And the simple truth is that there are a lot of crypto projects and companies out there that are about to fail because their workforce is heavily vaccinated and going to be dying and dropping out with severe long-term injuries. And not all of them are going to survive. So can Ripple, can the XRPL survive without David Schwartz, without oh, Hamilton quit Ripple because his wife was having seizures after getting vaccinated. Uh, I think uh, Nick Borgulis, who heads up XRPL development for Ripple, he's vaccinated. You no doubt Brad's vaccinated. Take some uh, pleasure in that, given how he's behaved. But think about like Cardano. Can it survive without Charles Hoskins? Because he's vaccinated. What happens if he ends up dying? of a heart attack in the next few months. Does Cardano survive? I mean, sure, it's still going to be there, but does development keep progressing? Because he seems to be, you know, the driving force behind that. Same for Vitalik. You think he's traveling all over without being vaccinated? How many of these crypto projects are going to die as part of the die-off? How many companies are going to die? How many services Things that you take for granted today are going to die off in the die off because that's what's coming folks. And then on the other side of that or through this process, 
there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And I think crypto is going to skyrocket here. I don't, I don't think it will be as we come out the other side. I think it will be as one of the phases of the collapse. And um, there will be tremendous opportunities. So that's why I was talking about the house thing with my brother and him doing the, the rent to own agreement with the owner, letting him go buy a new house. We get to fix these houses and then put them back on the market. Hopefully before it gets much worse, but you know, it's going to be profitable just on the, the two uh, fire jobs alone. And there will be plenty of opportunities like that. in I think the near future, as we go through this process, and if you've got the funds, you guys who have invested in XRP and then just set it and forget it kind of thing, you'll have the resources to rebuild and remake society. And that's the real reason I do this show is so that you guys can have the understanding, the perspective and the wisdom to know that giving one group a monopoly on violence over everybody else on the legitimate, so-called legitimate use of force will always result in this and cannot be the solution to a peaceful and prosperous society. Something to think about. I'm Sam I am. We'll catch you on next broadcast. Thanks, everybody. Can't see what's happening by now, then you're blind. They said it was to save lives. Yeah, that was a lie. The writing's on the wall, man. Can't you see the signs? Now they come in for the children. They just crossed the line. They said just give it time. Only three weeks and it will all be fine. They want you tuned in to that TV every night so that they can implant fear deeply in your mind. Now in order to defeat them, yo, we need to unite. The Ministry of Truth has taken over. There's a reason that they chose Corona. Yeah, Corona means crown work it out man it's all symbolism from the beginning they told you a virus of the mind infecting your thoughts but enough is enough now we're saying no more we see the trojan horse at the door this is war we can't ignore the call big brother's gonna fall yeah we gotta light the torch for humanity because 1984 wasn't fantasy george orwell was warning what the plan would be now you can see it all in their strategy yeah they wanna call us conspiracy theorists but right now we're the ones that are seeing the clearest this is social engineering how many alarm bells have to ring before people start to hear them serious ah can't you see this is deliberate they hand out sanitizers and masks but not vitamins mcdonald's stayed open same time the gyms didn't the only pandemic is cognitive dissonance yeah this is totalitarian people are waking up so they need to keep scaring them declaring new waves and new variants they got tricks up their sleeves so we gotta be prepared for them they choose what the facts are with their propaganda we know what their plans are so they won't get that far nah you don't have to be pythagoras to see that this ain't adding up how much until you've had enough ah right now it's the last straw yeah they're slowly bringing in their passports it's been leading to this from the start time to look into your heart now and choose what you stand for it's the dehumanization of the nation erasing the basic foundations of human relations the of apartheid creating segregation that's the road that they're paving because if you're not jabbed then it's you that they're blaming it's you that is dangerous mass manipulation coercing you to get penetrated what's the difference between that and a rapist
I think their plot's got some holes They want you to follow rules but they don't It's a joke, now it's coming to the end of the road It's a fight for our souls How much of your life have they already stole? And how much more will they try to? How much will you turn a blind eye to? Roll up your sleeve and get a free donut to eat Can't you see they're trying to bribe you? What's really in that concoction? How many adverse reactions till we stop this? How many must die for power, lies and profits? I refuse to just stand by watching, no that is not an option What if that was your kid? Maybe then you would start talking Maybe then you'd see the point The children need a voice We need to fight for their future before it's destroyed